Today, St. Paul tells us that he has been taken possession of by Christ Jesus, and that this knowledge is the driving force behind all his efforts in the Christian life. How is this possession accomplished? Taking a brief look at the familiar story of his conversion, we find Saul, as he was then known, on his way to Damascus, breathing threats and murder against the church, when he is struck to the ground by a light from heaven and hears a voice asking, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He replies, Who are you, Lord? And hears in reply, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Jesus' reply does not constitute an accusation, merely a statement of fact. There is no finger-pointing, no recrimination, just a command to rise and go to Damascus, where he will be told more. In today's Gospel, the scribes and Pharisees bring to Jesus an open-and-shut case of marital infidelity. The woman's guilt is manifest, caught in the very act. Teacher, they say to Jesus, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? And Jesus' only reply reserves the right to judge her to himself alone. Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. Jesus alone meets the criteria. He alone has the right to initiate her execution. But he does not. The elders, perhaps most aware of their own shortcomings, are the first to drift away, and soon she alone stands before Jesus. It is this moment of face-to-face -face personal encounter that links the two stories. Both Saul and the woman have full awareness of the gravity of their offense and the just penalty, perhaps for the first time. They make no excuses, offer no extenuating circumstances. There is no attempt to find a scapegoat or play the victim. They are guilty. And Jesus does not condemn them. Instead, he forgives. We might say that they discover that Jesus has already forgiven them. Perhaps we should have expected this. After all, Jesus does say, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He has come to save the world, to overturn the usurpation of its current ruler, the father of lies, the devil. The accuser of our brothers, who accuses us day and night before our God, will be cast down. Against Satan's false testimony that never allows us to forget our past deeds and shackles us in shame, Jesus will set his truth, refusing to condemn us. Jesus offers us the opportunity for self-examination and self-revelation without the risk of shame and rejection. It will be painful, but it is possible to look into the darkest recesses of our being and face what we find there, no matter how repulsive. No matter what we find, Jesus will not turn away or condemn us. When we would turn away in horror, Jesus will continue to look and continue to love. Does this love have any limit? As we continue our journey through Lent and enter Passion Tide, it becomes clear that nothing can compel Jesus to condemn. The opposition of the Jewish authorities and all the might of the Roman Empire are insufficient to coerce our condemnation. No suffering, no torture, no shame can break his will. For this Jesus was born, 
For this Christ came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. He will suffer betrayal, abandonment, scourging, mockery, and the shameful death of the cross to testify that he will never forsake us. It is in this that Jesus claims us. Thus, in the second reading, we hear St. Paul telling us that he considers everything as a loss because of the supreme good of knowing Christ Jesus. Paul accepts the loss of all else and esteems it all as rubbish, if only he may gain Christ and be found in him. He claims no righteousness of his own, but, te- but depends entirely on the righteousness of Christ, as seen in Jesus' faithful refusal to condemn. Paul loves Christ greatly because he knows how great was his need of forgiveness. And as St. Paul shows us, the safeguard against abusing this forgiveness is gratitude. His letters overflow with thanksgiving, even for his afflictions and chains. He rejoices in his sufferings because they unite him to the one who has suffered for him. Today, here in the Mass, we are offered that same face-to-face encounter with Jesus. It is the opportunity to let down my guard and look honestly at myself, trusting that as Jesus did not condemn Paul, as he did not condemn the woman caught in adultery, neither will he condemn me, but that over us all will ring his cry from the cross, Father, forgive them. It is his righteousness, his fidelity that matter, not mine. And this allows me to lay before him my errors, my omissions, and my offenses. I can own them because his forgiveness reveals that they do not define me. We have been set free from sin, taken possession of by Christ. Like the woman, this freedom comes with a mission. Go, says our Lord, and sin no more. We too will be sent forth at the conclusion of the Mass. Fortified by our reception of Christ and his forgiveness in the Eucharist, let us imitate St. Paul, forgetting our sins that now lie behind us and gratefully straining forward to what lies ahead, the prize of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. To him be all glory now and forever.